Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Platform. We're Falcon's time for Falcon Screen, and we are joined by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Yo, yo, yo. Freelance writing critic for Rotten Root. Hello, lockdown. It's the fourth week, and I am struggling. Yeah, we're doing a lot of streaming. We're coming at you from Zoom. We, as a result, we still sound a little different. We hope that we can come back to regular things within the coming weeks. Um, we That's not going to happen. We were recording this on Tuesday morning, so on the 20th, so we're not quite sure if any announcements have taken place subsequent to then, but we're expecting an announcement from Melbourne later today, which would have happened by the time this goes to air, which will affect the Melbourne Film Festival and retail and um, certain people and friends and so many else. We cover films, so we'll just cover from that perspective. And also the Sydney Film Festival, which is coming up on August 18 to 29 as scheduled. Melbourne's I, I, I don't think I don't think it can go ahead with that date because the program launch has been delayed. So I think the, the festival has to be delayed as well. The event can't go ahead with those dates. But let's not let's not like hedge our bets. It's not happening a month from now. Less than a month. It's not happening. Yeah. Let's just be without, without without the program in place or without the program being actually out to the public, I don't think there's enough time for people to actually organize themselves and you know buy tickets and get everything in order. The Moreover, that you there won't be single-digit uh, infectious cases in the community within a few weeks. There won't be. I mean, even, even so how if is the festival are, going to happen? Even if there are, uh, I think people will be hesitant to go out and actually go to cinemas. It's going to be one of the last things to reopen before capacity. I think. Well, the Melbourne Film Festival has, I think it's 66 of their slate that are already ready to screen on MIF online. They may even pivot to more online. To the extent to which Sydney is willing or capable already to do that, um, that is yet to be confirmed in any case. However, we will be covering that in coming weeks. We watched, I saw an ad yesterday uh, at which spoke about the festival as a purely in-person thing, used the line, it's not a festival unless we're all at the movies together. So they very much hedged their bets away from an online festival, but we'll see how the message may change. And this was very much a direction from last year. The festival very clear. They want their cachet is an in-person cultural event. Fair enough. They wanted to go ahead in person and they rescheduled to August. So we'll see what happens regarding that and other festivals. We'll see well. when it's when it's delayed or cancelled. Uh, Vivid always seems to move in lockstep with SFF, and since Vivid is in September. I think we might see a September film festival, but that's just my prediction. It's not based on any insider knowledge. I would like to see films at the movies again, but when we can, when we can. Um, that will actually have quite an impact on the festival calendar. It does move to later in the year. Um, speaking of which, um, there are a few things that are streaming online currently. The Geelong Film Festival has a number of shorts and features screening online until the 31st. Of July, the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival starts tonight online and screens through oh, to the 31st of July. Static Visions, a Dreamscapes Festival, which was scheduled for last week, has been rescheduled for this weekend. Um, and I believe a number of the factors will be, uh, like last week, there will be screenings that are in streams that will be available online, but there'll be more up-to-date information on the Static Vision Facebook page and website. And that is scheduled from Thursday through to Sunday. Sorry, Friday through to Sunday, excuse me. And Philmonic Melbourne, um, an online film night, is having their about roughly 100th screening on the 28th in Melbourne, but it is available on, and screening online, so you can get your flicks in. Um, the other big news that happened this week is, of course, Khan. A number of the Khan titles making their way to the Melbourne Film Festival, respectively, Sydney 2, Titan, 
from the raw director won the major prize titan i don't know why we're calling we're leaving the title in french it seems to be totally random whether the title gets translated or not the movie is called titanium titan is, is like it, it's nothing what does that mean but that's I, what everyone's going to call it that's what I'm everyone's going to call as it as when it's reported everyone's just going to be like oh yeah titan it's not a word it's not a word in english it's not a word in french why don't Je, they just call it titanium say crisp i titan right but no but, one's going to yeah. call it that so so why is it not just translated as titanium fine ex- ex- like, it, like do you, have you noticed this it's totally it's it's totally yeah, random heart. whether uh they leave the title translated or untranslated <laughs> i mean like i like i don't know well it won yeah. and yes it's Tom Dora. Really, at one of a very crazy strange plot which i i wonder the extent to which the one of the major a couple of the major events in this film are actually plot twists or later developments. oh i'm sure it's been absolutely spoiled to hell by david ehrlich and friends yeah at, at any rate it's about a person a young woman who sub, who experienced a severe car accident in childhood has a plate in her head and um, events that transpire partly as a result of that event of mm. a and partly of a fantastical nature so cool. don't look up don't look, read about it on twitter don't look at people's first look reactions because people decided it was open season to reveal everything that happened in the movie because they were privileged enough to be able to be there at the premiere isn't it nice so enough? it that's the thing whenever there, there's like a whoa this the crazy the wacky new movie at con all, all these um bloggers feel like it's their moral duty to make sure that there's no stone unturned before we get to you know walk down that path ourselves there, there all is, has there, to be spoiled there is some elitism to i think unfair to us uh, it's in within some criticism i mean i may maybe out or mine criticism could be leaders too but i feel that there's some particularly egregious examples i remember when rise of skywalker came out there was a particular review which ruined the major twist because they just had contempt for the film and i think anyone who watched it so here uh, we don't want you to see it and here is what happened it's mm. stupid so it's not a twist damn you yeah that's a subjective viewpoint as well right like i mean, I mean we, it, it was stupid and then yeah the, the movie is that. is trash but you you don't have you know the right to make that call for everyone take that away from people you absolutely do not yeah um nitrum the new film about the port arthur massacre is by justin gazelle um caleb loving jones with a very hilarious speech won best picture sorry best actor excuse me and yeah. they've been pretty positive for that so that's what i'm quite interested in seeing yeah, yeah. um caleb landry jones playing a serial killer is almost like too on the nose yeah he's, he's always playing the let's be clear he's always <laughs> playing the weird creepy guy he, he looks always. like one so i mean it's not like it's it's almost like ah yeah i think of that guy right you know and it's, it's almost that but you could kill some people no i i uh, he's just played that role so many times now yeah, he's good like i he's always been good he's never oh been no bad. doubt he's good but it's like we must import an actor hmm the one who plays creepy guys this guy, this guy. Um, yeah. Um, what else? French, French Dispatch is there. A hero. No one seems to have cared that much about the French Dispatch, which I find strange. It, it yeah. seems the, to be the memes around the cast and crew have taken off beyond film Twitter. I'm talking referring to the Timothy Chalamet, um, Wes Anderson, Tilda Swinton, Bill Murray photo, which just seems right. To be gone crazy. Oh yeah, it's the, 
Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, and Darwin, and like you know the, the cities in the, and their fashions, and then there was a funny meme about that. There's some pretty good ones around that. I liked Palace Cinemas had a funny one, which was like film fan, usher, filmmaker, projectionist. Right, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Bill yeah, Murray's definitely um, projectionist. Yeah, you're right. Can I just say about the the Cannes prizes? They went to outside of Benedetta. They went to all the movies Ooh. that I was super excited about. They um it all they also went to the all the films that received the most positive reviews of the festival, going by all the critics' grits. Usually um there's a film like Burning that gets overwhelming praise but gets completely left out. Um this year, Drive My Car, Memoria, the Asghar Fahadi, a hero. Um the worst person in the world was a little bit less well reviewed, but was quite well received as well. Um, Nitaram again, pretty well received. Those uh, and Annette, despite being the opening film, which usually curses you when it comes to the end of the festival and the selection of the prizes. Um, yeah, all those films were in the top five to top ten most praised films of the festival, and they all went away with an award. Annette um, had best director, right? Yeah, a pretty major award too. Keen, keen um, for Net, keen for Benedetta, keen for Red Rocket. Apparently, yeah, I'm keen for Red Rocket as well. Actually, Baker, always great. But yeah, apparently the, um, the according to the inside gossip, um, the debate for Palm Door was furious, and it came down to um, Annette versus Titan versus Memoria versus Drive My Car. That's a good four way. Yeah, that's a good four way, right? Like any it's of those those getting goddamn it's likely. But yeah, um, he did. Uh, but yeah, any of any of those is a great like cinephile pick, cinephile beloved directors. You know, uh, I, Raw, I still think I still think Titan is probably uh, lower on the cinephile pick scale than probably the others. Yeah, maybe. But Raw was a big um, scandal when it came out. What did we think of that film? It wasn't that extreme. Like it, it was, was so no. Built up. And it was just a pretty, like it was a good film, just an R-rated movie. It was a pretty standard art horror movie, I thought. Yeah. But, um, it, but it hit a mainstream vibe. Like it was always, it was yeah. for a general release, unlike most of these films. Yeah, when I say it art horror, good, but... it's not as, as artsy as like The Witch, um, which I don't, you know, consider the high watermark of artsiness. But it was, um, you know, it, it, it was a little bit artsy. It was very French, right? But I agree, it wasn't that extreme. All the media hype about people passing out in the theaters and we've got the ambulances at the ready. <laughs> Great publicity. But let, let's, yeah. let's, over anything let's just remember there's always, all the major festivals have one film which becomes controversial for the wrong reasons and isn't actually controversial. And, mm. uh, and the ones that are more should be more controversial get by the wayside or are otherwise better get left by the wayside. It is incredible that they gave a horror film Palm Door. Yeah. I'm yeah. That, I mean, yeah, it's a bold choice. So, yeah, hats off there. Yeah. So that's Khan. We'll be seeing more. I'm also excited for yeah. the new Gaspar Noe, Vortex. So, I, yeah. I just, right before we started recording this, I saw an article about that. Pop yeah. up on my Facebook feed because that's the one that's not drawing as much attention. But I think I like the concept quite a lot. Was this? It's an amour type thing, right? Yeah, with the older couple and and sort of a love story with the older people. Actually. Okay. Good luck, A twenty four. 
Yeah, who reported a sale for what two to three billion? Yeah, how funny will it be if they get bought by like Time Warner? It won't be funny. It'll be terrible. I know it would be bad, but it would be funny at this point. I've detached myself from expecting anything good to happen, so I'm I'm more you know trying to spin a, a bit of ironic enjoyment out of all the terrible things that are happening. Mm. You so, find me in a dark mood this morning. Yeah, it's 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 like it's a it's a lousy time, but we'll get through it. We'll get through it with movies. Um, speaking of which, yeah, um, I'm watching Logan's Run. This will be my fiftieth film since this all started. Big five zero. Watched a lot of movies finished every single tom cruise film taps from the early years underrated legend not underrated i know that he is iconic but but why tom cruise i mean we did last lockdown we did a tom cruise episode as well you seem to have this 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 drive towards tom cruise i, I think well there's, there's a number of reasons first of all his films are of, and performances are of a general quality and there's a variance and eclecticism to his choices that it's not just rote action movie, action movie, action movie. It's a, he's a star who is proficient across comedy, romance, drama, action, thrillers, and has made fantasy and all of these different genres. And I like that I could watch Tom Cruise and get a pretty good mix of what Hollywood is about. Um, just a couple, a couple of things as a, a side of just Tom Cruise now having seen every single film he's ever done. He's really bad in films where he's not playing a character who isn't either brash, overly competent, arrogant. I'm referring to legend, War of the Worlds, a couple of other. His best performances are when he is hyper-charming, hyper-confident. And there's this intensity and charisma, which often, actually for most of his films, even when he's playing the quote-quote nice guy, borders on a bit of a meanness. Yes. Mm. I think Eyes, um, Eyes Wide Shut played really, really well to his strengths because his character has that confidence, but then gets to be flipped around. And he, his character gets to have that cold, as you say, like that um, cruelty is the wrong word to it, but he has that iciness, yeah, overly you, polished. You just don't feel you want to mess with this guy. He has, a, he, has a, he has a presence that goes beyond just a mere physical intimidation. Mm. Great as a movie star. Um, yeah. And I do like this, like, not just that, like, I watched Vanilla Sky for the first time. It ends very badly. I don't think it's a good film, but I like the scenes where he's this beautiful, successful, rich playboy suddenly gets his life turned upside down. Suddenly he has to deal with this crisis of confidence. And he's actually really good in those sequences. Mm. That's the, those are the only bits Vanilla Sky I really liked. Um, I, like, I like the firm a lot, which I think is underrated. And love the firm is great. Yeah. I, I know what you mean when you say that he's, he seems to sort of represent like the best of Hollywood or, because he activates this kind of nostalgic um, sense. Yeah. The last of, movie star kind of feeling. Yeah, that's it. And, and you're watching all these 90s movies with their very glossy presentation and lighting. It's like, it's a time capsule of when I was getting to know what movies were. Usually Tom Cruise was at the forefront yeah, being larger than life. I put. I remember the first really big Hollywood film I ever saw. Like I think this is the post. Like watching Disney kids movies was Mission Impossible. Like it really did introduce me to a whole world of just other cinema. 
which which mm. I'm still appreciative. Um, but yeah, like I love that era. Like far and away, the one he did with Ron Howard back in the early '90s. It's all the bad hallmarks of Ron Howard direction, but it's just such a sweeping epic story with just lovely performances that you can't help but get taken away with it. And like you, you look at Cruise, like who else aside from Cruise, Brad Pitt, and DiCaprio? are on that level solely acting in movies and evoke this image of the classic movie star. I would argue Cruise more than Pitt or DiCaprio epitomize that Cagney-esque, Stewart-esque, both charisma, but like large and life presence. Interesting to talk about that that trio because uh, Quentin Tarantino considered casting Tom Cruise in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. As in the Cliff Booth role. In the Cliff Booth role, yeah. Would have been um, I like Brad. I liked Brad Pitt a lot. I'm fine with Brad Pitt being there. Yeah, but um, it would have been different, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. Anyone yeah. get to read the novel? Hmm. Um, I'm of two minds about it because as I loved the film, but the idea of a novel by Quentin Tarantino is so fundamentally unappealing to me. Like he <laughs> just he has a, he's gifted with visuals. He does create great dialogue, but sometimes he crosses over into overindulgent. A novel seems like it's opening yourself up to the worst aspects of Tarantino. You don't have any of the performances or the, the by now very sophisticated camera work, but you do have the opportunity for endless dialogue and endless nerding out, endless descriptions of stuff I don't care about. It's charming when you get to see like the cartoons and the dog food and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, if I was reading like every few chapters, I was reading in that level of detail about 60 stuff, which is just an opportunity, like it, with the length but of the novel, show up, basically. It's, it's, it's the same reason. Yeah. Like why I like a Tarantino miniseries could be very bad. I feel like he, like, have you seen him in interviews? The guy does not shut up. Right. I feel like he needs some things to limit how much he's able to say at any one time. Just get out the best parts. I'll give you a comparative. I mean, uh, Charlie Kaufman's novel, And Kind, mm. was one of the worst things I've ever read. Of seven, And it's 700 pages long of complete wankery. And he is another person who I have that sense of, like he needs a filter, like a Spike Jones or someone like that. Exactly. To, oh, and that's what's too self-indulgent. With, yeah, that's going to happen with Tarantino. I mean... There might be good stuff in there where it's going to get lost in all the... Self-indulgence. Yeah. Speaking of first watches, Connected to New York keeps coming up with my recommendations. I've never seen it. You've never seen it? Ah, okay. Um, This was the movie that um, first developed that idea for me that um, Kaufman is actually um, intolerably self-indulgent. It was his first written and directed film. And... It's it's just it's I thought it was really too much, but it's an interesting movie, and I'm sort of due a rewatch, but keep putting it off. So if you want to watch it, I'll watch it for next week. I, I will. Okay, I will watch Connected to New York with you. That sounds like fun. Yeah, cool. I've, been, I've been doing a few co-watches. We did uh, one of the only films aside from the Edgar Wright films. The only film I have watched. I've dedicated myself this whole lockdown to watching first time watches just as a bit of like something fresh the only exception i made is my second watch of starship troopers i watched a third watch excuse me i watched that twice like 10 12 years ago and i decided to watch it again for friends who hadn't seen it it's still um, great i, I want to go back and watch all the verhoeven films prior to benedetta that i haven't seen like the, the really early ones and basically I'm, I'm 4k so i want to see that again i haven't seen it is, is benedetta coming, coming out in australia is it- it'll uh look i think it's, it's too 
large a release, right? Yeah, the guy know. who made Total Recall and Basic Instinct. Look, if it doesn't... Yeah, I just feel like uh, the censorship might be an issue. Australia is a bit more conservative than... We, we don't have censorship. It's a matter of um, the rating system. It won't be that extreme. I, I think um, it's more a question of offending sensibilities. I'm surprised MIF won't have, don't have it, but I think it's almost guaranteed to be their um, late edition. And if it's not showing at MIF, then... We'll see it, I guess, next year at Sydney Underground. Yeah, it'll go the if it if it's that extreme, it'll go the um, house that next Jack built. Year. Where it, next yeah, year. Ooh, should I watch the house that Jack built? Because they're watching all these old Matt Dillon films, The Outsiders, Rumble. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a pretty. If you've enjoyed the recent um, Lars von Trier films, it's very similar. It's it's most similar to Nymphomaniac. If you've seen okay. that one, yeah. I just I when I was in Europe when this was out and it was playing at every single small art house cinema. I just got sick of seeing the signs. But like I like right. my, I, I love Matt Dillon's early stuff, The Outsiders with Coppola. Um, really amazing introduction to um a lot of Tom Cruise, uh, Patrick Swayze, a lot of really big actors got their start in this movie and Rumblefish, an absolutely stunning film. That's an incredible film. That do, do, you like what, seen. do you like Wild Things? I like, haven't seen Wild Things. I haven't seen Wild Things. It's actually a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's, it gets a bad rap for being what it is, but it's actually pretty self-aware. When okay. you say for being what it is, what is that exactly? You know, just uh, pulpy, uh, erotic thriller that's trying to provoke rather than actually has any substance. Because speaking of films that are trying to provoke, it's not having any substance. And Denise Richards, aside from watching Starship Troopers, um, I watched Loaded Weapon 1 for the first time, a film that I only was brought to my attention as top of Netflix because there was a throwaway reference in Rick and Morty to an actress, Kathy Ireland, who is the one of the leads in the movie. And it's just a lethal weapon parody that I can't believe exists, starring Emilio Estevez and Samuel L. Jackson. He was, was he... Oh, so no, it's Charlie Sheen who was in Hot Shots. Just, yeah, Charlie Sheen is in this too. It's confusing, a... it's confusing that Emilio Estevez is, in, is the lead in this one and Charlie Sheen is the lead in Hot Shots, isn't it? Very, yeah. I, I like <laughs> Hot Shots. Actually, if you like Hot Shots, what's the great film Val Kilmer did? Um, the Two America-esque movie from 84. I, I think I know. The, uh, what's it called? Top Secret. It's I loved so, that as a kid. So clever. It's one of the great, of all the like the parody era, just spoof movies, it's one of the very best. Yeah. Like, well, the, the Naked Gun are pretty bad, right? Naked Guns are bad movies. They get, and they get progressively worse. Let's, yeah. let's face it. They were, never, they were never great. There was a time, I mean, Spy Hard isn't terrible. What were the good parody films in the 90s? Um, all of the, this, is, this is the Lampoon era. Blazing, uh, Blazing Saddles was, was in the 90s, right? That was, the 70s. Saddles was 71. Out by a factor of 20 years. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the, the early Mel Brooks, like the three great classic Mel Brooks films, like he's made many good films. The producers, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, are all just beyond uh, another level to... Oh, uh, I haven't seen Young Frankenstein. That could be something I can say. You should watch Young Frankenstein, yeah. These films... Um, Frankenstein, Chris! It's yeah, Frankenstein! It's Frankenstein, but it... it what it's a parody but it's not it's not like a hot shots or a same as blazing saddles right like then they have a degree more backbone and integrity as narratives than some of these more broad parody but and but they work as a comedy for the genre itself like you could watch it as a standalone frankenstein movie but yeah. I, I, I feel to watch these you have to have some context as to just the cavalcade 
of Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and crossover movies that are happening in the 30s, 40s. Like it really is taking off those and some very specific ones. Like these were coming out like Marvel movies back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like Universal just went nuts. Mel Brooks was like, I can have some fun with this. Like I, I thought your hump was on the other side. What hump? <laughs> classic, classic wonderful scenes in those movies uh i watched um i watched young frankenstein last when gene wilder passed away really just marvelous some really funny jokes like my dad had us like sit down as kids some of the some of the first films we ever watched and just watched all the old I'll, I'll give it a shot after after last week's uh, episode on Edgar Wright, i made I'm my dad watch, parody no i made my dad watch hot fast for the first time did he like it he did and he was very surprised because he was not expecting it to be that dense in terms of following plot and he said like i've never had to like watch a comedy so intensely to get all the jokes yeah 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 how do you not like hot fuzz like how yeah, he loved hot fuzz. It, was just, it was just different for him to see that oh comedy is requiring so much of my brain space because he's not used to so many comedy films are just you know so it can they can play in the background and the last sort of telegraph so you don't have to actually use your brain yeah with hot fuzz they're so integral to the narrative and they're so wordplay that, you know, especially like, you know, the hag and the fascist. All the callbacks. There's yeah. so many amazing callbacks in yeah. there. Yeah, but again, like Shaun of the Dead, it's just one. It's not like keep coming back and back and back. It's just, we have the joke and it pays off again later and that's it. It's mm. neat, elegant filmmaking. I, I had a thought about Hot Fuzz. Um, the, it's smart in how it uses the ridiculous gore because if you notice... Um, Nicholas Angel never causes directly any of the horrible bloodshed. Yeah. They, they were very careful with that. He, he also, he never kills anyone. Um, They're very, yeah. very direct in saying that, you know, I've never, I've not carried a firearm in over two years. I'd like to keep it that way. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you've got things like uh, not spoiling anything. Uh, um, the, the neck incident near the end of the film. You know, it happens just because of it, of uh, an accident from someone trying to run away, like Nicholas when but, but that, he's that's, already apprehended. That's the, entire, that's the entire joke, right? In, in yeah. a village that it's hell meant and trying to prove that everything is an accident, people then yeah, yeah, these die. horrible accidents end up all, happening accidents. at the end. Yeah, yeah, oh, marvelous. Oh, yeah. Um, I watched Josie and the Pussycats the first time. Did um, you like it? I, I saw that it. earlier this year. It's very, very ahead of its time. I think it's. It's a film that could have come out any time in the past 20 years and been it's, as funny. It's about the commodification of um, music and culture by conglomerates and government. There's a great scene where they, they shove the cocaine off the desk to reveal like a hit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was the villain's that's, lair. Just, that's the best joke in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And that was pushing what you can get away with in a kid's movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, the it, absolute like limit. It, looked, it was just white powder, Chris. It's just white. I know. It's just white powder. Aspirin. <laughs> um, yeah, that that film is pretty funny. I I, I think it's, you say it's ahead of its time, and it is, but it's also perfectly of its time. Yeah, very boy band. Great yeah, it's about that's era of music, and that that the two thousands. Um, uh, gorgeous, but also the the super. I don't want to say heroin chic. <laughs> <laughs> everyone is just ridiculously thin. And yeah. Like, yeah. Alan Cumming 
is just so funny like every line he always breaks the fourth wall just at the right moments but doesn't overdo it it's a rare skill yeah it, it might be the ultimate alan cumming performance oh that and boris i i really like his boris grishenko that is classic yeah but i, I, I do have uh, bad news for you guys so you can uh, hate me for it but i did end up watching black widow again oh yeah yeah, what yeah, yeah. How, how how was it it was, it was terrible. It was actually horrible. It was horribly bad because I think on a purely narrative level, it does not work. Is it actually like one of the worst? Yes. It would be. Yes. It, it, like categorically, as oh, a man. film, it doesn't work. Not even as a Marvel film. I think as a film, it's categorically bad. It's funny if it's one of the worst because Captain Marvel was easily one of the worst. So if it turns out that every time Marvel do... It's worse than Captain Marvel. Right. If, oh, it's God. it's like if every time Marvel make a female lead movie, they just completely half-ass it and, and it's fine. We get kudos anyway. First of all, it just shows how much the critical um, establishment just eat up the marketing copy. Yeah. Secondly, surely they can do better than this. Like, do Marvel not really give a shit beyond just like, all right, we'll tick off the, like, we're, we're doing female representation. And I mean, it's a film that never really Any real Russians? Russians? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Okay. But it's, it's a film that never really takes off. It's basically a film that's entirely a setup for you know uh, making Florence Pugh the next Black Widow. Black I did Widow. think it was weird how um, Kate Shortland is directing it. Nothing she's made before would say, "Yeah, you should do a two hundred million dollar action film." Yeah. So we're going to be back next week talking more festivals, more or watching. Um, anything you want us to fight about, let us know. We'll come up with a subject. Yep. Please subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Um, have a wonderful week. Stay safe. Um, watch lots of movies like we've been doing. And yeah, reach out for co-watchers because they're nice at this time. This has been Glenn Fowling, and Chris Evans and Varat Nehru. Be well. Have a wonderful day. And enjoy movies and enjoy life. Goodbye. Good night.